Yeah, that, that's another good scene where another line item of this would definitely not Shit. be allowed nowadays. Okay, my bad. I dropped my headphones. Oh, my lord. I'm just going to give you this entire raw recording that you figure it out. Zach is so upset with me right now. Yes. I'm going to a new rule. No drinking until after the Cinemonides Robin Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach, and I'm Rob. And on this week of Cinemodities, we are starting a new series. I, I don't think Zach and I have discussed what this new series is going to be called, but Zach, if I may pitch, should it be Monstember? Is that appropriate? Or Christember. Christember. Oh, oh, you that's a great one. The other thing that I had to propose uh, other than Monstember was going to be religiously insensitive holiday series. <laughs> What do you think about Close. that? I think that could work. At least, for, <laughs> at least for three of these. So I like Christ Ember and religiously insensitive holiday series. I appreciate both of those. But, Zach, before we get into discussing the nonsense that we usually do, I must mention, once again, the music. You knew this had to be coming, Zach. This episode is releasing on December 3rd, literally one day before the release of N Inspiriority Complex's new album, Semi-Perfect Yet Sublime. Everybody, Zach's going to put the Bandcamp link into our notes. Check it out. It is 14 tracks of pure beauty, of pure madness, of pure nonsense. It's fantastic. That's our ad revenue. Right, Zach? It's definitely something. Well, I think the other thing I have to mention, Zach, in terms of uh, Monstember, religiously insensitive holiday series, that we need to talk about before we discuss this specific movie. Zach, what is your favorite form of transportation? God, him these weird ass questions. This is a this is not a weird ass question. This is a reasonable question. I think that our audience or the audience of any podcast wants to relate to us as normal people. And when they think of the two of us, they want to know, well, what form of transportation do you take? What's your favorite, Zach? Hot air balloon. Durable. Hot, hot air balloon. <laughs> 
So see, I I feel Zach is making up nonsense right now. I oh, I'm making I'm the one making up nonsense. <laughs> Have you ever wrote, ridden in a hot air balloon before, Zach? Oh, I think so. What do you mean you think so? What does that mean? Define hot air balloon. Hot air balloon being or a basket or or dirigible. Remember that hot air balloon or dirigible. So so something that is elevated into the air. By the aspect of flame pumping into a contained container. How about that? Sure. So you're saying yes, that you've ridden in that harder, that type of hot air balloon before. Sure. Okay. Zach is... Rob, Rob, what's your favorite mode of transportation? My favorite mode of transportation is jingling. <laughs> if I want to get from point A to point B, you better bet I'm jingling. And I honestly oh think oh that is Zach's favorite way of transportation, and he's trying to be facetious. Zach's trying to be a little contradictory to me, just to be, just to make us angry. See, that's the thing, folks. <laughs> Zach likes to make me angry, and I think that's what he's doing right now. Because I know for a fact that when Zach and I like to transport, we like to jingle. We like to jingle when we have to go a mile. We jingle a mile. When we have to go 10 miles, we jingle 10 miles. And so, Zach, you better believe what I'm trying to get at with all this is that when we jingle, we jingle all the way. Do you just, disagree? Just to let everybody know at home, um, Rob broke into the uh, the hard nog cider or the, the hard eggnog cabinet. Um, if, I can keep it locked up. <laughs> Uh, just everybody Zach, know, I, I have no Zach control can, this. I'm just see. as blindsided by this as you are listening to it come December. I want to ask you, if you're going to jingle, how far of the way are you going to jingle? I think I'm going to jingle at least some of the way. I mean, what, 75% of the way? Yeah, I don't know. What? Maybe even 90 I, if I'm in the mood. I mean... Okay, 75 to 90? You're going to jingle 75 to 90% of the way? Well, now that you mentioned, maybe like 95% of the way. How are you going to... I think regardless, how are you going to get the rest of the way? That's my question. If you're going to jingle only partial of the way, how are you going to get the rest of the way? You, if you're not going to jingle, you're going to jingle? Uh, women uh, in prayer. That's what I'm pretty much going to do. That's... What kind of nonsense is this? Zach broke me. Zach broke me with the women of prayer because because literally I thought this whole joke was gonna go from jingle to jangle, but Zach went from jingle to women of prayer. That's amazing, right there. Oh my god! Oh my god, folks! <laughs> so we're gonna jingle seventy. Yeah, Rob, we're going to jingle, we're going to jingle all the way. We're gonna jingle <laughs> all the way. There's okay, we're just we're just saying that right off the bat. We're jingling all the way so we can get into the movie we're discussing today. Rob, are we even talking about a movie at this point? Or are we just going to devolve into everything else? <laughs> yes. Folks, I guess Zach is putting me in a corner and making me say we are discussing a Rob's choice to start the holiday December series. We are talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way. Is there anything else that it needs to be introduced with, Zach? No, I think you did quite well. 
<laughs> yes, with all of that nonsense. Because if you're going to go all the way, you better jingle. That's just, that's the last thing I'm going to say. I promise you, Zach. Good, good. <laughs> all right. Well, um, as I said before, this is a Rob's choice. I think Zach is going to hate me a little more than he ever has for choosing this. Because this is one of the worst movies we've ever watched. This movie makes no sense. It is all over the place. It is atonal. It is a mishmash of ideas and concepts and emotions. And I want to throw it over to Zach right now to say, Hey, Zach, did you even watch this before our recording? (laughs) Yes, unlike Rob, who uh, probably doesn't remember that he's watched this. (laughs) I have definitely watched this as he takes a swig of his uh, cider. Okay, okay, that's a little too on point, Zach. I watched this twice before we recorded for this. All right. We're talking about Jingle All the Way. It's a movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I feel like I'm going to have to be the host this episode. Rob just, there he goes again, folks. Another sip of the drink. Um, he didn't try to hide it this time. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, 1996 film. It's directed by people. It stars actors. This is probably one of the most, embar- probably the most embarrassing thing on a lot of people's resumes, I would imagine. Surprisingly, it doesn't get a comment from Rob. Of all the comments he's made, that's the one that shuts him up. Go figure. No, uh, I think I, I think I mentioned it already that this movie does not work. Like this movie does not fit together as a cohesive piece of artwork in any sense of the form. Well, good. We can agree on something then. Oh, oh well, well, we're not split for once. No, I think I will. Rob's going to disagree with this, knowing him though. But I think this is a perfect crossroads of Zack Street and Rob Boulevard, where it, it's basically everything we both want in a cinemodity. Okay, Rob, Rob the- Boulevard. Rob Boulevard had a little too many problems. It's Rob Avenue. That oh, we Rob associate. Avenue, okay. Rob Avenue we associate with now. Yes. Can, I be Zach, can I be Zach Boulevard then? Uh, I mean... Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so this is the crossroads of Rob Avenue and Zach Boulevard, and I, I even though I, I wish we could have a little bit more of an intellectual discussion on this, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to deal with the uh, the the cider drinking uh, uh, boob this episode. So uh, I, I guess you can't have a serious discussion about a movie that nobody took seriously. So I shouldn't be that disappointed. I mean, I think I feel that honestly, that's how I have. Uh kind of perceive this as I watched it again for this recording, that this was all over the place. This movie is just an amalgamation of ideas that don't fit well together, whether they be satirical or overly comedic or just straight up kind of kid friendly. It's, it's a really, really mix of themes that form this movie jingle all the way. I think this is, this is Hollywood people looking at like what, middle america thinks our values and it's the most perverted oh uh, uh what's the word destitute version of what oh this is what people in the midwest do like this is i like to imagine because this was written by chris columbus i like to yes. imagine well he was like watching like back in the 80s like people in kansas like shanking each other over cabbage patch dolls and he's like and he's like eating like cereal out of like a porcelain bowl and like a like a, a gold spoon. He's like, look at these schmucks fighting over their cabbage patch dolls as he laughs hysterically in his like uh, marble mansion. 
And this is the idea that comes from that sort of scenario. It's like, oh, I'm going to make a movie about people who live in, like, Minneapolis who sit there are fighting over a stupid toy. Yet every single character in the movie is awful. And even when they're supposed to be learning their lessons, they learn the wrong lesson. And they somehow are worse people at the end of the day than they are at the beginning. See, I think that's why I love it so much. is because that it's, it's kind of so contradictory with or in terms of morals and actual meaning, you know? Oh, definitely. I think breaking this, for those of you who have not seen this film, essentially what it is is Arnold Schwarzenegger is like a workaholic parent. He forgets to buy his son a toy that he's not told to buy until the day before Christmas Eve. That's a weird thing. Well, 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 well. Rita Wilson, who's beautiful, I will never... I know her from this movie and an episode of Zvu, which is great. <laughs> she tells him to buy the toy two weeks before Christmas, but he doesn't. We, have, we she's an unreliable uh, character. We can't we can't put any faith in her because you think. If, I think Zach's being sexist right now. <laughs> sure, let's I call it that. Zach is being so sexist, thinking the wife doesn't have foresight for Christmas gifts. I'm pretty sure if the wife was actually a good mother and realizes that her husband forgets everything, that like she would tell him and the next day be like, okay, I'm going to buy this thing and just take the mystery out of it all. See, I know you don't have a movie, that, but... That's an actually good point, that if the wife understood how poor the husband was at remembering things, she would have taken matters into her own hands. Like The thing about this, like, I don't doubt that Schwarzenegger like was told to buy this thing. I, it's, it's the fact that I don't think he prioritized it. It's like, oh, buy this toy. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And it's like, oh, he's didn't he forget? He just prioritized it wrong. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And and one of the things I think I have to mention is at the very beginning of this movie of Jingle All the Way, we get a great scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger talking to his customers on the phone. And every single customer he talks to, he says, you're my number one customer. Don't forget, you're my number one customer. And then he accidentally says that to his wife, Rita Wilson. And that's a no-no. You don't tell Rita Wilson you're her number one customer. That's, a, that's, just, a, that's just a downplay, right? 200 king size per next Friday. No problem whatsoever. But only for you, Mr. Jacobs, because you're our number one customer. Andrea, hi. Well, if you think the fabric is too dark, then we just recover it and no extra charge. Well, what do you expect? You're my number one customer. But don't you forget, you're my number one customer. You're my number one customer. Liz, hi, honey. How are you? Howard, where are you? I know, Chinese karate class. Don't worry. I'll meet you there. I promise. And don't forget, you're my number one customer. Liz, I, uh, look, I didn't mean that I... This? But yeah. I, I wish that would have been more of an ongoing joke throughout the movie. That Arnold would have had, like looked at his kid and gone, you're my number one customer. <laughs> I wish Arnold would have looked at like, you know, the mall Santa and go, don't forget you're my number one customer. I, I honestly wish that, you know, that was kind of the, one of the things that I feel they chose to forget that they should have continued with. Yeah, because, like, I don't know, though, because that's the weird thing with this movie. Is, like, it starts off with him having, like, he's working during the company Christmas party. And it's like, oh, okay, like, 
clearly he's a workaholic, but he's not like again, but at least it's like his efforts in the right place. I need I need I need I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Zach. Zach did have so much fun editing this, but I'm sorry, Zach. I need to cut you off because I have to recall something you said to me in our total recall episode. What? You said something along the lines to me is how do you have Arnold Schwarzenegger in these roles without anybody saying, holy fuck, who are you? <laughs> like, you're bigger than every man. You are Superman. And well, it know, happens in this. this does, there is a moment in this where it, that kind of happens. It, it does, but, but Zach, I feel conflicted. We know when you talk about, yes, at the beginning of Jingle All the Way, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the businessman. He's he's making calls. He's sitting behind a desk. How do you relate to that? How do you... Uh, can you give me some more background, I guess? Or maybe... Well, well, it's, it's, a combi- it's, yeah. it's a combination of two things in that, A, if you like Arnold Schwarzenegger as an actor, you have to put that aside or else you just get, go mad trying to rationalize how he's able to exist in all these movies universes. Yet... You have to also say, like, okay, he's just a guy who likes to work out. Like, I, 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 there has to be people in this world that are, like, super-duper machismo. Because he's not, like, over-the-top bulky in this. Like, he's still Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he's not, like, oh, Lord, like, total recall where he's just, like, oh, yeah, they film, they names. film him almost as, as equal height as all the female characters in this movie. Yeah, like, he's not... Uh, it's really the only one scene, like like we've kind of mentioned, where Phil Hartman's like, you can't bench press your way out of this. Oh my god, that might be my my favorite scene in this movie. You can't bench press your way out of this one. Yeah, like that's... But the whole point, though, is like the movie starts off with him on the phone. It's Christmas Eve, because like one of the first shots is like all the employees drunk, and, and they're like doing like the mambo around the office. and Or I guess the showroom, really. I guess it's not even office, like around the... the, the <laughs> what bed because what is he he's a furniture person or yeah he's a he's almost like a mattress salesman it seems yeah and so like he's working on like like four o'clock on december 23rd festivus so he's not celebrating christmas no tinsel for arnold (laughs) and and like okay like he's working hard in the holidays like people can appreciate that that's something people can relate to and then like all he does is get nagged it's like your son's karate class your son's karate class. Your son's karate class. And it's like, well, the kid's not going to have a nice Christmas if he can't work. Like, like I don't know. Like, in a weird way, I, I, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, as the film progresses, he gets worse and worse as a character. Or, <laughs> like, like, and yet everybody else, I think everybody else is just as bad. Like, everybody's more of, like, a constant bad character. And yet Arnold somehow gets worse as the film goes on. Everybody is flawed in this movie. Everybody's awful human being in this movie. Absolutely. I don't think there's especially, one... especially the seven-year-old kid. Oh, I hate him in this movie. He not, is not... the fucking biggest materialistic son of a bitch I've ever seen. Oh, he really is. No, the son... we'll get to this in a moment, though. But, like, how it starts off in, like, the, the karate class, which I think is really weird that it's a karate class and not, like, the Christmas pageant. Like, I really, like, Christmas uh, play. Like, I think oh. it's really weird. He's oh, like, yeah, he's... He's chopping through wood blocks at the beginning of this movie. It's fucked. <laughs> and what's even funnier is that, like, the karate, what, sensei has, like, a Santa cap on while he's doing all this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I guess, like, I, I know, I, I tried doing karate when I was younger for, like, like, a month. And I remember, like, if you do, like, one thing wrong in their little ritual, they just, like, flip out. 
And I cannot imagine a Santa cap would be allowed to be as part of the ritual. Okay. So that's kind of just like, not that it bothered me, but I'm like, that, like, okay, fine, whatever. So Arnold, Arnold's reminded, he leaves, like, he, I also couldn't figure out, like, where he lived in this. I couldn't figure out, like, what city it was until eventually they showed the Mall of America. Yeah, of course. You know, I that, that I, is, I couldn't figure out where the, this was filmed. That is the only anchor in this entire movie, I feel, about where they are. Yeah, other than that, there's really no way. There's no landmarks. There's real. I guess if you know it, because it took place, I think, in Minneapolis. I think that's where it's. Um, it was also yes. what, that the mall, and- Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities, all the suburbs yeah. that surround them. Of course, that's exactly yeah. where this took place. Uh, so he gets to the karate. Like, he tries to get into the karate class. Like there's traffic and stuff. He gets a speeding ticket by the same cop we'll see 15 times in the stupid movie. Oh my fucking god, that cop! Oh Jesus Christ! I get what they're going for with the concept of a movie and a reoccurring villain. I'm doing air quotes for everybody out there. I'm doing air quotes so hard. It's fucking ridiculous how many times we see this cop. But yes, he gets pulled over. He gets the the blatant obvious obstacle that he has to get to his kids' events. Like, oh my god, I get it, you know? Yeah. And so we see that. So we're introduced to the cop. He gets to the the the, the auditorium of the school, despite the <laughs> fact that it was a karate class. I, I can't figure that out either. You um, know, honestly, honestly, he runs Arnold Schwarzenegger runs into a school. A straight-up middle school, like, well past dark. He would be tackled so fast. I would right? imagine it locked the building. I would imagine it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. He wouldn't even be able to get in at that point. Exactly. And, and you'd also figure, like, he'd also see the parking lot was, like, dark. Yeah. <laughs> There's so. no one here but me. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, whatever. So we see him, and he's like... Damn it! Or it's like I'm not gonna make it. Yeah, I think there's like there's like what a 15, 15 to twenty five second scene where Arnold looks in the camera and goes, and you have no idea what's going on, but it's well, that's, that's most of his dialogue in his films. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I am a huge like for the record, I am a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. And I've never seen this movie in its entirety until preparing for this episode. Yeah, I guess to to answer to respond to Zach's, I guess comment right there. I've loved Arnold in his comedic roles like Twins and Kindergarten Cop, but this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking See? sucks. See, folks are in agreement already. This is, this is yeah. Shocking. I mean, I mean, we're not split. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes home. He sees uh, his son. He goes, "Jamie, I'm so sorry I couldn't make it." And the kid just like straight up gives him the silent treatment to the point where like Arnold's like following him up the stairs as if it's like it's his girlfriend. And the kid slams the door in his face. Oh yeah! Oh my and god! It's at this point I hate the kid because if I ever, ever did anything like that to my parents, they would have hit me so hard. <laughs> and for the record, my parents never hit me, and that sort of thing would have been like, if you ever slammed the door on your parents, oh boy, like, there wouldn't have been a Christmas. The only thing right in my household would have been my butt after I got spanked. So, 
Arnold goes up there and starts like sweet talking, having like pillow talk with his son. And it's like, Jamie, what can I do to make it up for you, baby? It's like, what can I do? What do you want? And the kid has the most, like, I thought I was a loser with all my Star Wars ships that will bludgeon me in my sleep one day, hanging above my head. <laughs> but this kid has like, it's as if like Marvel Comics threw up in his room. Yeah, he's a Captain America mural, right? Yeah. Fuck like, that. Like, it's a painted mural, like like across like two walls. He has like yeah. Victor Von Doom bed sheets. He has like a Captain America <laughs> shield. It's as if Marvel just threw up in his room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that makes this thing weird because like I feel oddly enough, like if you look inside like the like the dream room of like a seven year old today, that's exactly what it would look like. Once Arnold Schwarzenegger stops having pillow talk with his son. His son's like, I really want a Turbo Man doll. And he's like, I'm going to get you the biggest, baddest Turbo Man doll ever. The son and... recites the Turbo Man doll commercial. It's pretty yeah, funny. Tell me, what do you want? I want the Turbo Man action figure with the arms and legs that move, and the boomerang suitor, and the rock and roar jetpack, and the realistic voice activator that says five different phrases. Including, it's turbo time! Accessories sold separately, batteries not included. Yes, he basically just regurgitates it. And next thing we know, we're in the, uh, he, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in his bedroom with uh, his wife. That's kind of, that's kind of next thing we go. Hey, okay, Rob, so do you want to get in your, your dumping on the crass commercialism of the holiday season? Uh, I guess, I guess so. Because while we're talking about Jingle All the Way, which is Arnold shopping for his son on Christmas Eve, that's a very specific time of the year. I don't think that's a, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but I don't think that's a very specific time of the year for people to go shopping anymore. I think that they kind of accomplished that earlier. I think that this movie is much more of a reflection on the concept of Black Friday. And Black Friday is something that I think is much more relevant to, one, the concept of today and capitalism, and two, this movie in and of itself. Zach, I want to ask you, first and foremost, do you disagree with me when I say Black Friday is the only capitalist holiday? Uh, no, I think there's many. Well, it could be. I, I think it is, but I don't think it's the only one. Well, what, 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 what other would be the capitalist holiday? You mean, is this, you're talking about like, the, the biggest capitalistic holiday? No, or? no, 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 The only. I'm, I'm, I'm straight up sticking my neck out there and saying the only capitalist holiday. Because I think they're thanks, all. Most holidays well, are. Well, see, that's the thing. Christmas is Catholic-based. Thanksgiving oh, is geez, he's splitting hairs, splitting hairs between religion and capitalism. Okay, okay, I didn't think. We were I, gonna I guess. Well, okay. Technically, Black Friday isn't a holiday. Is that recognized as a federal holiday? Well, no, it's not a federal holiday. But I think that's exactly what I'm saying. I think Black Friday is the only capitalist holiday. And I, I should say before we go on. I think this is a holiday where people kind of inadvertently, I don't know, acknowledge how bad capitalism is. What do you think, Zach? 
What about Cyber Monday? Does that count? Cyber Monday is a whole different story. I, I'm talking about right now the people lining up in front of Best Buys, in front of Walmarts. I'm talking about the people lining up in front of retail stores because they can get the best deal if they're one of the first X people there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that is, to me, an acceptance of... I don't know. It's 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 kind of contradictory. Everybody standing in that line kind of has the feeling, well, yes, what we're doing sucks, but it's worth our time. And I feel that that's what they're saying about capitalism as well. About the holiday or the or this film's opinion on it. I'm talking about the holiday completely. I'm talking about capitalism, the economic structure. I'm talking about the holiday. I'm not even talking about the film. I'm blindsiding Zach completely. I'm talking about the socioeconomic structure of humanity and Black Friday. Are you ready for this, Zach? Oh, my God. So, uh, Jingle All the Way. So, he's talking to his wife in the bedroom, and... He's he's so he's like like he's recounting to his wife Rita Wilson who's on Law and Order Savoy and telling her about how great his conversation with Jamie was and how he's going to get the Turbo Man and how that's going to make him like the best father ever and so while the wife is getting ready for bed she goes well I told you you should have gotten one of those weeks ago when I told you to and we get a great like like zoom quick close up on Arnold's face and he's like. What? And she's like, well, you did get the toy, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, of course I did. It's at the office. And so they go to bed and we get a great, like, spoof. It would have been a great, like, Goosebumps cover, like another zoom <laughs> in on Arnold's face once the wife turns the lights out. And next thing we know, it's Christmas Eve morning. It's, like, 8 o'clock in the morning. Arnold's trying to, like, sneak out of the house. Not sneak out, but he's trying to, really, like, low-key sneak out of the house. And the wife and the kid are like, but, Dad! It's the parade! And he's like, I know, I got uh, I got to go to the office. And the wife's like, honey, work today? He's like, no, no, it's okay. I got the doll at the office. And she's like, oh. <laughs> no, no, there's a chopper at the office. <laughs> no, I have to stoop my maid at the office. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but and the son comes over and goes, but dad, the parade. The parade. And so he says, no, it's okay, Jamie. I'm going to be back for the parade. Well, you so, promised last year. Well, I'll promise this year, Jamie. Well, you yeah. promised the last two years. <laughs> oh, dear. So um, then we see Arnold go over to the toy store. Um, while he's in line, he, like, pushes it. Like, he sees, like, there's, like, a huge mob of people. He pushes his way to see what time the store opens. And we get an obnoxious store clerk. Who like who he sees the store opens at nine o'clock and it's like two minutes two, and the, the store clerk is like counting the seconds. He's like, "You only got two minutes. Let us in. These people are You're freezing. not gonna let us in because of two minutes. Give these people air." And, <laughs> uh, see, callback. It's freezing out here. Come on, Cohagen. Give these people air. And so <laughs> the crowd of people like pushes him backwards, like to like the middle of the line and next thing we know he is uh next to sinbad the comic in line and sinbad's oh, my oh my god let me pause zach right here oh because 
I don't know if Zach... I think Zach, with everything he's said so far, has done this movie justice. But this scene... Sinbad is a postal worker. Sinbad starts to talk about how he needs to get this toy for his kid. Sinbad starts to scream about how he never got this toy when he was a kid. And he starts to freak out. And he starts to choke a woman in the crowd. This is one of the funniest yeah. things in the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Arnold's sitting there and Sinbad just starts like ranting and raving to him about like, again, like kind of like Rob's rant about like uh, commercialism. I mean, it's a little it's a little less refined than my rant. Sure, sure. Hey, give the man a break. He's a dad trying to get a toy. Yeah, have cuts, man. Last minute shopping, huh? Yeah. Enough to drive a man insane in. Myron Larrabee. Howard Langston. <laughs> See, I have to shop late because it's the busiest time of the year for me. All these important Christmas letters that people send to folks they don't even talk to but once a year. Not to mention, relatives sending presents they're going to have to send back anyway. How many toiletry kits does a man need? How about those little stupid letters from kids to Santa at the North Pole? Dear Santa, could you send me a bike and a slinky? No, your father's been laid off. And as if I didn't have enough pressure in my life, my son sends me off for some, like, goofy butt toy. Some fruity robot named Turtle Man. It's Turbo Man. My son wants one, too. You know it's all a ploy, don't you? A ploy? Man, where have you been? Don't you watch TV? We are being set up by rich and powerful toy cartels. Oh, come no, on. No, you got these big fat cats sit there using working class tips like me and you. They spend billions of dollars on TV advertisement, and then they sit there and use subliminal messages to suck your children's minds out. And I know what I'm talking about because I went to junior college for a semester and I studied psychology, so I'm right in there. I know what's going on. And then they sit there making kids feel like garbage if you, the father, who's working 24-7, delivering mail so you can make an alimony payment to a woman that slept with everybody at the post office but me! And then when you get the toy, it breaks and you can't fix it because it's a little cheap plastic. You know what I like to do? I like to walk up in that office, grab one of those and just chuck it, and chuck it until the eye pops out. Shouldn't wear fur. And he starts doing that, and like Rob says, he legit just starts choking a woman in the crowd, and nobody seems to be bothered by this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so then, like, so because this is all going on, they eventually start to let people in the toy store, and as the stampede of people is let in, the the, um, the 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 store clerk or the manager who refused to open the doors literally gets trampled on. We see footprints on his face. Yep. And as everybody like rushes to the door, or I guess to the, the the middle of the store, we see Arnold and there's a bunch of sold out signs, no Turbo Man sold out, but they have tons of Turbo Man sidekick Buster? Booster. Booster, excuse me. The pink like like Panther Leopard. Saber tooth Sabertooth Tiger. Come on, sure. Zach. Sure, Sabertooth. Pink Sabertooth. Come on, Zach. Did you even watch this movie? Not enough. Uh, <laughs> not enough times as I probably needed to. But so he's I sitting mean, there. Literally, this the month of December, November, October, whatever fucking month we're in right now. This should have been equivalent to your watches of Spirited Away. Oh, absolutely not! I still have not stopped watching that movie. At the same time as this, no, that's your downfall. Oh, I shouldn't be watching both at the same time. You need at least five screens. You need at least five monitors. I'm sorry, Zach. I'm deflecting you on the wrong things. I should be yelling at Zach about these things off of recording in the podcast. I'm sorry. Yes. So 
So we see him, Schwarzenegger typed, uh, ta- uh, taps two people on the shoulder and goes, do you have any more Turbo Man dolls in the back? And we get a rather young Chris Parnell. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's amazing to see Chris Parnell this young. So they're sitting there, and him and another clerk just start laughing at Schwarzenegger. So that's, I think that's the thing. Like, Chris Parnell, now, as we know him, whether it be from Jerry, you know, in uh, Rick and Morty, or be it Dr. Spachemin from 30 Rock, I think he is one of the people we know now as great voice actors. And this was before that time. And him laughing directly into a camera is just a testament to his great, great voice acting. Oh, excuse me. Yes? I'm trying to find a Turbo Man doll. Me too, me too. Do you have any more in the back? (laughs) What? What's he laughing (laughs) What did I say? <laughs> these guys are looking for a Turbo Man? A Turbo Man doll, yes. <laughs> They're looking for Turbo Man. <laughs> hey, everybody, these two are looking for a Turbo Man. Shut up, man. Now, what's so funny? Where have you guys been? Turbo Man's only the hottest selling Christmas toy ever. <laughs> you know what? We got plenty of Turbo Man's faithful Saber Tooth Tiger Booster. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, it's funny how that shot, It's they're both shot him, Chris Parnell and the other clerk. Like, they're really kind of like, uh, uh, con- like, their faces are contorting. It is really kind of bizarre and almost like, like ugh, it's like, I don't want to say gross, but it's just like, the, the faces they put on are really meant to be disenfranchising. And so eventually Schwarzenegger, pick- this is another one of those moments where Schwarzenegger picks both of them up. And it's like, you go, you better stop now, or whatever he says. Where's your customer service? There, there it is. And like, this is the first time in the whole movie where it's like, oh, this is like, they're not, it's not just Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a role. They're clearly, this is going to be him doing his normal shtick, and no one's going to draw attention to it. Exactly. But I guess one thing we forgot to mention earlier on, that during the kid's karate performance, we didn't set this up properly, is that we're introduced to his neighbor, Phil Hartman. Oh, the womanizer. I guess I, sh- I, I that's the best way to put him, right? Well, he doesn't seem to have the hots for, like, all, like, at the karate meeting. Like, there is some really low-key, not even low-key, there's some really under-the-surface, like, sexual tension between him and all the other, like, soccer moms. Yeah. They're like, hey, Phil Hartman, it's like, I have a, a, a bowl blues. My really pi- screwed in she right now. says, she says, my pilot light is out. And will you come and fix it? Will you come and tighten it? And he's like, I have just a tool for the job. But when he says these things to these other women, he seems to almost not like how Phil Hartman is playing it. He seems to not be like getting it. Like, like, like the character is not getting it. So well, like, I think I think in the scene of the karate class, he's sitting next to Rita Wilson, who is married in the movie to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he doesn't really want her to know that he's a womanizer because he's still trying to womanize her, right? Is I don't I don't think that movie's this deep. I don't think What? I, I don't think I don't think that's deep at all i think that's just the fucking concept of you're in you fucking you're a man in a cul-de-sac that gets divorced 
Let's try and fuck everybody else there is. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> okay, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, <laughs> Zach's clearly never lived in a cul-de-sac. I take that back because I know Zach lives in a cul-de-sac. But Zach has clearly never been divorced in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> no, I have never been divorced in a cul-de-sac. Which I clearly have the experience with, right? Yes. Um, so, but, no, so, like, we have that, though. And it seems Phil Hartman does not want any of the other women. He just, like, it's not even introduced, I'd say, until about, what? No, he's playing the them all. The way- it's, not that, it's not that he does not want them. He's playing them all. That's how I took it. Oh, I didn't take it that way. I took it as yeah, like, yeah, he's, he's not interested in any of these other women but Rita Wilson. He's playing them all. He's playing them all. Okay. He's playing them all. Zach, Interpre- Zach, Zach. He's playing them all. Okay, whatever. Interpretation, it's fun. Uh, anyway, though, so we, so Phil Hartman is is there. And he's really like an obnoxious neighbor. He's putting lights on the house, things like that. Rita Wilson's letting him put the lights on the house. And Play so... I'll let Rob just get this entire audio file. He's going to be told, you deal with it. You deal with it. <laughs> so, uh, I honestly don't know where I was even going with this now. I honestly don't remember where I left off in the plot of the movie. Rob, is, is Jingle All the Way a cinemati and or late night? Movie? I don't know. I think Zach was trying to relate this to R. Kelly. He major all day? I think, yes, I think that's where Zach was going with this before he uh, lost track because I un- uh, annoyed him so much. I think he was trying to relate this to R. Kelly, specifically uh, when Arnold Schwarzenegger, at some point in this movie, is on a payphone. And Arnold Schwarzenegger uses the payphone to call his home to talk to his wife, Rita Wilson. But the man answers his phone. And that is where we get R. Kelly trapped in the closet, you know? Grandma say this is so wrong. Call up my home and a man picks up the phone. Oh my god, I don't know how I'm gonna edit this. Zach is losing his mind. I guess since Zach has lost his mind, I will talk about some things. Um, maybe a little more general as to why I chose this movie. This was why did you choose this movie? Yes, this was a Rob's choice, I should say. And I believe I already discussed my affinity for Black Friday. I really like that that is kind of a capitalistic holiday. Um, But the other thing I have to mention is I've always been intrigued by the concept of toys that are wildly sought after. And I think in terms of Zach and I's timeline, literal timeline of when we've been alive, it was Tickle Me Elmo. Zach, do you remember Tickle Me Elmo and how popular that was when we were like, you know, maybe fucking eight, nine, ten years old? I think we were four. We really? Yeah. What? This is the stables? <gasps> really? Tickle Me Elmo came out in the summer, or the, the winter of 96, so we were four. Well, well, was that the same summer that it was wildly sought after, and then it caused the kind of things that this movie was inspired by? No, this movie kind of came out the same time as Tickle Me Elmo. I think it was the same holiday season. Oh, so, so in terms of my research, I guess I should say the other things I've looked into um, was 
not just Tickle Me Elmo, which is probably our timeline, but Cabbage Patch Kids. That was yeah. another thing that was very, very a hot toy that sold out in the holiday season. Yes. I love that concept. Whether it be, I mean, you know, I don't want to get into the fact, you know, if I hate capitalism or not, but just the fact that, you know, people will go crazy over a product. I really, really enjoy that concept. Yeah, it's, it's that's, I think that's the only interesting thing about this movie is that I think it's one of the very few movies where the entire plot is trying to get a toy and dealing with the, uh, the, the, the crazed mob of people out that are also trying to get the toy. Yes, it's, it's, uh, I think... You know, I, I should have said it much earlier on, but one of my favorite things about this movie, it's not a, it's not a specific scene, it's not a specific detail, it's a specific pairing. And I love, there's one scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets to a toy store, and the, the I don't know, the manager, I guess, maybe that's what the best way you would describe him, is says something like, hey, we're going to give everybody these bouncy balls that have numbers on them, and that's going to be a lottery system for if you get this toy or not. And when all of these people are fighting for these bouncy balls, you get to hear, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it's fantastic, that kind of pairing of people fighting over a toy with such a beautiful Christmas song that's that's amazing to me and that's kind of why I love this movie and and love to choose this movie as something for us to watch yeah I could definitely um I could see why because this movie it does like there's not a lot of movies like this and like Rob says it's very uneven oh my god uneven untonal if that's even a word because it's like you're fucking you are on every end of the emotional spectrum as you're watching this movie. Well, yeah, because it does. It kind of pinballs all over the place because, like Rob said, you have certain moments where you have all these people chasing after the little, like, power balls for the lottery, which to this... I, I can't figure it out also what's the deal with that because all that does is not like every person who gets a ball gets a power... Or a oh, my... Doll. I'm so glad you said this, Zach, because... I mean, they, they literally say it in the movie. They say, you know, the, our staff members will hand you a ball with a number on it. And then we will call out numbers according to a lottery system. Exactly. So, so I, I don't yes. know why everybody starts chasing these things. And we have a 10-minute long sequence where Arnold starts chasing it down like a flight of stairs. And it starts bouncing all over the room like... Yeah, I, I think I think that this toy store is on like the fifth floor of the Mall of America, and Arnold eventually ends up on the first floor of the Mall of America, Basically. fighting for this ball. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, and so and, and yet, like at one point too, like Sinbad has one, and he yells, "That guy has two! <laughs> yeah, well, it's like like what? It's like the, you're not like, the odds of you getting one are next to nothing. And I, I, getting this ball isn't going to really, I guess it at least gives you the opportunity, but still your odds are slim. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so I, I, I guess, but that's one of the weird things with this movie though, overall, in that you have this weird sort of, like Rob said, anti-consumerism message. Yet the whole point of the main character and Sinbad's main character is, is if we find this toy, it will be salvation for our children and our in our home lives. Yeah, they're like, this is literally the best thing for my child ever. Exactly. Yeah, it's like consumerism bad, 
buying toy equals salvation. Yes. And it's like it's like wait what? And like Rob said, like it's all over the place where you have at certain points, um, like like they like Arnold starts chasing the woman like who has the one in the back of her car. It's like there's gotta be at least one more Turbo Man in this store. Well, there was a woman who purchased one on layaway, and he starts like like chasing her car down the street until she sees him like running behind her and like, she overhears him are you my maid too and so she like goes nope and goes yoink and just basically like floors it out of there yeah <laughs> the weird thing about this movie on top of the many other times i've already said that is i'm fascinated because like rob knows every well rob doesn't have cable so he doesn't know but like this time <laughs> earlier, this this movie is like on cable everywhere Oh, like now the ABC family can't air that doesn't they don't have the rights to Harry Potter anymore. I'm pretty sure it's just this. This is literally like no one I ever talked to knows about this. Really? Yes. Yeah, honestly, like all my friends, whether they have cable or not, which some of them do, they have no idea this is a thing where Arnold like searches for a toy. Well, I remember I was in Best Buy today and they had like an entire row of these. What? Like, like they had the Blu-ray, the DVD. Colorado, like, I, Zach, Zach, if you came out to Colorado, you might be able to make a fortune. Just selling jingle all the way, just Blu-ray. Selling jingle all the way. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I, but I like to imagine, like, if you're like a twelve-year-old watching this, like, like you, like, okay, but the high school Rob and I went to, they used to like. Around the holidays, the teachers, like, wouldn't have to entertain us. It's like we were, like, high on, like, sugary goods and, like, cocaine. Marijuana. Like, like... <laughs> no, not the kids. That's, 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 she, that kids don't do that. That's too calming for them. Mar- need, yeah, marijuana is lame. Yeah, for kids these days, that is lame. Yeah, Rob's marijuana is lame, everybody. Don't smoke marijuana. That's lame. Do what the kids do. Do the, do the, the heroin, the cocaine, the cool <laughs> Uh, so when the kids are either coming down or just starting to peak, they have like like closed circuit TV and like whoever's in charge of like the AV department would, like put like on like a Christmas movie or a holiday movie. And I like to imagine like if you're like in our high school today and kids watching this, I I would like to, I would imagine that most of the kids would be like, why doesn't he just go on Amazon and buy it, or why doesn't he just go on eBay and have it overnighted to the house? It's like mm. it's weird. Like as we watch this today how not out of date but just like how much has changed in 22 years yeah yeah where like like there's no such thing as like an impossible item anymore like yeah. it's just simply how much are you willing to pay for the item and it can be yours mm-hmm. and i find that fascinating that uh, you know clearly uh colorado is a jingle all the free uh jingle all the way free zone so i don't know how this movie like plays like today, I don't know how people watch this movie. Like this isn't Jimmy Stewart, and it's a what's it called? It's a Wonderful Life. This is not this sort of like message that can appeal to everybody. It's okay. it's like Rob said, it's a weird ass movie. Um, everybody in it is a horrible human being, and you have a message and like a and like a plot that's not really even applicable to today's today's audiences. Yes, yes, I agree with what Zach just said. And, you know, I think he hit the nail on the head. That is a really great way to describe this movie. It's, you know, our character who's not that great. He's not a likable person to, to for the most extent. And he kind of gets from point A to point B with a happy ending, regardless of that fact. Well, the thing that makes this interesting is that 
he kind of after his like it's funny his car gets like dismantled like rob <laughs> what, what, what is that called when your car just gets completely what stripped is that what it is when your car gets stripped mm, chicago yes well, okay, that's another, that's another moment in this movie where I couldn't tell where it took place because that's very clearly uh, a trademark of a Gotham-esque city. Yeah. And and so he's, like, coming home. He's being uh, driven by the tow truck driver, and we, he gets out of the car. He sees Phil Hartman, like, decorating his Christmas tree. He, like, flips out. He oh, wants, yeah. Like, he wants, he's like, okay, he, he remembers that Phil Hartman says that he bought the same toy, a Turbo Man, for his son. He's like, aha, it's... To get back at Phil Hartman for what he's doing, I'm going to steal this toy from his kid to my kid. And while this is going on, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like halfway through stealing the toy, has a change of heart. And he's like, what am I doing? I'm like, oh, the movie's actually going to teach us a lesson. No, we have a reindeer chase through Phil Hartman's house. Oh, this reindeer fucking hates Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we get to see that for 15 whole minutes. <laughs> yeah. The reindeer chases Arnold through the whole house. Arnold, like, locks it in the dining room, then proceeds to almost light Phil Hartman's house on fire. Um, I find it interesting that Phil Hartman, like, like, what does Arnold do? Arnold, like, decapitates one of the members of the nativity scene and, like, kicks its yeah, one of the, out the window. One of the, one of, yeah, one of the kings of Nazareth, he uh, kicks his head into the fireplace and then when it, he sees it on fire, kicks it out of the window towards the carolers. Towards the carolers, uh, carolers, and Phil Hartman and Rita Wilson come out, and they're more con- think about it. It's covered in snow. They're trying to put it out, and they're not wondering why does this come out of somebody's window. That's a good point. That we we do get a scene of seeing Phil Hartman trying to wrap a fucking towel around one of the princes of Nazareth head. Well, it's on fire in the snow, yes. In the snow. And even and my biggest issue with this whole scene is why on earth, who on earth lights a fire then proceeds to leave their home? Mm. And if you keep in mind the timelines of this film, mm. the timeline of events in this movie, they're going to the parade afterwards. So Phil Hartman's over the house with wow. Rita Wilson, with, with his son and Rita Wilson's son, and... Why would you leave a fire going? I, I didn't. Mean, that, Phil Hartman deserves to have his house burned. Down. You're so right. I didn't. I actually. I cannot believe I didn't think about that. You know. Like that not, pissed me off watching this. Yeah, you're so right. That should piss you off because you know when I was when I moved out here to Colorado and I moved into a college town, I looked at some apartments that had fireplaces, and I specifically chose not to live there. Because I was like, what the fuck am I going to do if a drunk college kid comes back and decides to light a fire and it burns the whole complex down? You're so right. You're so right. What are we supposed to think about these fireplaces? You shouldn't just light something and leave it. That's unsafe practices. You are so exact. Unsafe practices. We're teaching everybody a lesson on this episode of Cinemodities. Boom. Uh, so you have that Arnold, like Arnold gets caught trying to steal the toy. And after all this is going on, not that he like, like all this goes on. Reed Wilson's like, uh, Phil Hartman, will you take us to the, the parade? I'm like, doesn't Phil Hartman have like a house that's partially on fire and a broken well, yeah, window? Phil, like Phil Hartman's house is like destroyed at this point. <laughs> and, and Phil Hartman doesn't seem to be 
slightly bothered by this. No, because Hulk, Phil Hartman only cares about that hot, hot Rita Wilson pussy, okay? Oh God, and oh let God. me tell you, Rita Wilson's Rita Wilson's good looking. She's a great looking woman, but uh, Phil Hartman's too obsessed with that genitalia. Oh my God. That's not, that. what do you mean, oh my God, that's fair. That is literally what's going on in this movie. Okay, okay, but there's, there's a less creepy way to describe it. In the what way I mean, I said this is almost as This is almost as bad as the time he tried to like make spirited away into some quasi like rape litmus. Okay, cast. everybody, this is gonna be the last episode of Cinemodernies ever, unless Zach and I can reach a, reach a, agreements <laughs> on oh on what's God, sexual some... and what's not. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the first time I've ever had to edit something, and the outtakes are longer than the actual, like, substance of the episode. <laughs> so much Rob shenanigans. Shenanigans. Uh, so much shenanigans. But, shenanigans. No, so, like what Rob said, nobody really learns a lesson in this. Uh, like, you have Sinbad. Sinbad has, like, a, a running gag where he like, will pull a pack. It's funny. Sinbag, for some reason, despite it being Christmas Eve, Sinbag is carrying around a satchel of mail. I don't know why. Is he on his mail route or is he taking oh, the yeah. day off? He's, I always took it that he was on the job as a oh, mailman. He, oh, okay. He was on, okay, he's on the job. But yeah. okay, no intentions on delivering mail. Why doesn't he just like leave it somewhere so he doesn't <laughs> have to carry it? Because he needs his homemade explosive devices. Well, yes, clearly. And that might be the only genuinely funny moment in the entire movie is when he pulls the gag out or he pull, or I guess he, he pulls out the package. He's like, I got a bomb. He's like surrounded by cops and he like leaves on the ground and we see him like walking away and we see like, there's an explosion, like the top floor of the building. And, and we get a cl- like the camera zooms in on Sinbad. He's like, that was real. People are sick these days. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's maybe the only genuinely funny moment in this entire film. That was really funny with the with the postal bomb, absolutely. Postal bomb. And like I, I, but that's so weird in a Christmas movie to have a point where there's a Christmas <laughs> present package that's a bomb that literally yeah. explodes. And not just explode. It's not like like Kim and Schwarzenegger are fighting over it, and like they both like go over and it lands like in a pond and it like blows a bunch of like water up in the air. Like mm-hmm. it legit blows up in a cop's face. Oh yeah, it, it like the the like the thirteenth, fourteenth floor of a building. Exactly. It's just like how on. This just show you how like different like societal norms are now. Like you, I'm pretty sure like Rob and I maybe Rob sobers up in a few years. Like, we can go back and watch this movie and, like, do, like, a tally list. Like, if, if this movie got made today, what would we have to take out of it? And there's so much in this that I'm pretty sure, much like this episode of Cinematis, there'd be more taken out of this movie than there would be in it at the end of the day. <laughs> I have to completely agree with Zach. And while I'm completely, completely agreeing with him, I have to mention part of the joke he did not bring up. So, Zach, do you remember when uh, Sinbad first pulls this bomb, I'm doing air quotes, bomb on the radio station, and he kind of throws it up in the air, and it turns out it's not a bomb, and Arnold and uh, and, and Martin Mull realize this? Yeah. Yes, so Sinbad has 
And here we go. My favorite line of the movie. You had to be remiss if I didn't if I didn't expand on this, right? My favorite line of the movie. Sinbad throws what he said was a bomb across the room. The characters realize it's not a bomb. And Sinbad says, Why you think yeah. the window's there? So like just put the mail in there. But you act like everything's okay. Hey, Mr. Mailman. Like I have no feeling of fire. Oh, it's a tank. That's it. That's my favorite line in the movie. That is hilarious from a postal worker. Look, I'm sorry. I've been under pressure since the zip plus four thing. Do we need any more context? Do you need yes. more context on what yes. the zip plus four was? Yes. Okay, so maybe in like 2006, 2003, I think it was first pushed. But that's why I think this is so funny, is that it didn't become a really thing until after this movie was literally in theaters, was that the mail system, the postal service, decided that they did not just want zip codes on their mail. They wanted the zip code plus the four-digit kind of section. I don't, I, I, honestly, I don't know what to call it. You have a zip code. Everybody here has a zip code. But you have like a separate four digit separation on what part of your zip code you live in. And the Postal Service wanted you to put the zip plus four to further refine their mail service system. And Sinbad, after it is revealed he doesn't have a bomb, says, I'm sorry, I've been on edge since the whole zip plus four thing. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now, now, now that you've explained it, that is pretty funny. Oh, I love it. I love it, Zach. I'm I'm glad Zach has kind of taken something I've said and understood that it's a decent joke. I'm I'm yes. glad. Usually Zach listens to my jokes when I explain them to the twenty to thirty minute intervals that it takes and he cuts them from our recordings. So okay, Rob. Any so I next couple things I think it's interesting is that one Schwarzenegger I guess he gets caught. Uh, Phil Hartman takes Rita Wilson, the kids, to the parade. Mm-hmm. Next thing we know, Arnold Schwarzenegger like opens the dining room doors to where the reindeer is. The re- reindeer charges him, and Arnold proceeds to punch it in the face. Yes, we get a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger punches a reindeer in the face. Chalk that up to another. Chalk that. Eh, chalk that up to another item on the pile of things that would not be allowed today. Punching an animal in the face. Indeed, indeed. So So, I'm glad glad you bring this up, Zach, because I think that this point that you've discussed, that he punches an animal in the face, this is... um, uh, I'm just going to bring it up the only way I know how, Zach. Martin Scorsese. (laughs) So... Uh, I don't. I think I've said this to Zach before, but I, I will say it to Zach right now. I will say it to our podcast. I will say it again when the series comes up. My favorite Martin Scorsese film is a film titled After Hours with Griffin Dune. Are you familiar with this film, Zach? No. Okay. So I find a lot of similarities between th- this film 
Jingle All the Way, and, and Martin Scorsese's After Hours. In both films, we have a main character that's uh, faced with a task. You know, whether it be returning home or whether it be returning a doll to his child on Christmas morning, we have a, we have a character faced with a task and they are just pushed with different, different, different tasks in front of them. You know, kind of obstacles, kind of obscurances. Whether it be, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets a, um, a Spanish Turbo Man doll from Jim Belushi, or whether it be Griffin Dune has to make sure Kevin McAllister's apartment is locked in After Hours. They, these are very two similar movies. I know I'm kind of blindsiding Zach right now with the Martin Scorsese versus fucking Bryant Levant right here. But I find these two movies similar, and I find that the things we talk about with these films fall into that category. We have a character that we know maybe minimal to little about what they mean to their family or what they mean to themselves and their business and how they interact with one specific detail. What do you think, Zach? Am I blindsetting you too much? Uh, duh. Clearly, Rob put a lot of thought into this and didn't really give me any advance notice. What? He well, was no, to get I at. never, I never give Zach advance notice because Jingle All the Way is going to come up. We're going to do a whole episode on that in Cinemodities. I swear to you. Hey, kids! Rob meant to say after hours because we're doing our episode on Jingle All the Way right now. Because I swear to God, Zach, the scene where he finds out Rosanna Arquette killed herself is the best scene in cinematic history. But I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> yes, you are. No, that clearly Rob has uh, all the hot takes on that one. That's a that's a Zach free zone there. I guess I should say then, Zach. I, my question for you is: How do you do you see this movie as our character has a clear point A to point B, but is enthralled with other nonsense on the way in that journey? I think it's not enthralled. It's more that he's caught up in obstacles. Yes, I guess. I guess we could we could have a whole episode on the fact if whether I think enthralled versus caught up in obstacles mean the same thing. But yes, we are on the same page that he just hits all of these kind of hindrances on his journey. Yeah, basically. Yeah, he has. He, he's trying to get. He's trying to. The goal of the movie is to buy the Turbo Man doll. And every time he gets a little too close, to, it's basically one step forward, two steps back. Yes, and that I think that is why I have to say that is why I chose to discuss this movie, and one of the reasons I love this movie. I love that story structure. You give me a simple point A to point B with all nonsense in between of just random obstacles our character has to encounter. That's fantastic. I can get on board with that. Okay, okay. Well, I guess the only other thing, Zach, because it's clear neither of us have any idea what we're talking about at this point. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yes, I am speaking for myself. I do want to bring up one thing before we get into the real questions of this movie. Uh, you you had to have noticed that Jim Belushi made an appearance in this movie. 
How could I not? Of course, Jim Belushi plays a mall Santa that kind of, you know, very just, mm, you know, almost oxymoronically gets involved with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger is dying for this toy, and Jim Belushi plays a mall Santa that is like, hey, you want a toy? I got, I got toys. I got toys coming out the ass. I got reefs coming out my ass. Anyway, Jim Belushi plays a very shady mall Santa, which is revealed to be a part of a larger ring of Santas that seem to kind of have uh, a, a shady handle on the toy business. Is that a good way to put it? Well, they're making uh, bootlegs. That's how I. That's the feeling I get from it. Okay, yeah, yeah. They're making knockoff versions of the toys that everybody's searching for in this Christmas holiday. Okay. So, Zach, I have to pitch to you um, because, for the sole reason, well, I guess not the sole reason, for two reasons. One reason because I am a nonsensical motherfucker. The second reason being. Jim Belushi's character does not have a name in this other than Mall Santa. What do you think about the fact that Jim Belushi's character in this film is an earlier version of Bradley Mitchum from Twin Peaks The Return? I have no opinion on that whatsoever. No. None whatsoever? No. What? How do you... But, but he's being shady? He's trying to, like work his angle and you know maybe years later he gets in the game the the mobster game of las vegas with with him and with him and t-bag like come on like what you don't think that's real <laughs> this is I, it this is bradley mitchum what do you think bradley I, and, I, anybody bradley and rodney mitchum are the gangster brothers in twin peaks the return Played by Jim Belushi and Twitch and Teabag. I know you know Zach. Our audience needs to know. I don't know Teabag's real name. Teabag is his name from Prison Break. <laughs> don't have an opinion, folks. Don't you don't have, have any opinion on this relation? No. The Twin Peaks relation? I, th I think we've established that I don't have an opinion on these two. I thought you would have more of an instinct on how this relates to Twin Peaks, Zach. I, 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 I do not. Sadly, I failed you, sir. I, you did. You did fail me, but, you know, I still love you, Zach. That's what our audience should know. I still love Zach. Rob, Rob hasn't uh, sprayed me. with. What's the Zach equivalent to the battery acid? Uh, I think that it's not anything that I could express to you in short term. Like, I could spray oh. to you. Like, it's not something I could just do to you. I don't think I have any equivalent like that. I would feed you to Audrey 2, the plant, from Little Shop of oh, Hearts. Oh. Like, as soon as you anger me, your whole body is going into the alien plant. Like, oh there's God. no there's no middle ground with me, Zach. If you upset me, you are getting thrown out, and we're having a new host. Rot-rot. rot -ruh, indeed. <laughs> 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 oh my lord. So, so Rob, anything else that you would like to discuss with this movie? I think one of the things that I still want to bring up we haven't discussed is that after Arnold punches the, the, the reindeer in the face, he then proceeds to take a six-bottle pa six pack of beer in the backyard with the 
what uh, uh, clubhouse that he made his son that he discusses earlier in the film, and he proceeds to give the reindeer beer. There's a, what is there? There's a scene where we have Arnold looking at the camera, and he's supposedly talking to the reindeer, and he goes, "Can I buy you another round?" <laughs> and he <laughs> continues to feed the reindeer beer. Oh, I'll raise my glass to that, Zach. Chin chin. So, and then as he's about to, like, once he's kind of realized, like, oh, like, again, once again, Arnold's, like, numerous times about this film on the verge of an epiphany. And he's on the verge of one this time. And he goes, oh, he, like, yeah, he still hasn't been taking, like, two sips of his beer. So he proceeds to pour the remainder of it in the reindeer's bowl again. Yes. Is this, this is, this is before he goes to the diner, right? Where he sees Sinbad? No, this is that. Oh, this is well after that. Okay, well then I guess I have missed an opportunity because I have to mention the scene where Arnold looks at Sinbad and imagines his son drinking alcohol. Yeah, that's good. That's he sees he sees Jake Lloyd in the Sinbad postman outfit. Yeah, drinking like was that cheap whiskey? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, Red Stag. Red Stag. Never. <laughs> Never drink Red Stag. But this scene is hilarious because we get to see an eight-year-old drinking Red Stag. <laughs> so so Arnold proceeds to have his epiphany. He goes running to the parade. While he's there, he sees Phil Hartman putting the moves on Rita Wilson. Rita Wilson like, like hits Phil Hartman across the face with the eggnog uh, cool, um, uh, thermos. Uh, basically, like, ruins his glasses. His glasses are, like, bent sideways, which I found entertaining. Oh, I didn't and, pick up on that. That's a good yeah, point. His, his glasses are, like, bent sideways. And uh, Arnold, like, I guess he's running away. from. He bump, While he's about to go, like, like beat up Phil Hartman, he bumps into the same cop from before we've seen, like, six times. Oh, yeah. As the cop's chasing him, Arnold stumbles into, like, the Turbo Man uh, set up for the parade float. Arnold's turned into uh, Turbo Man. Uh, he ha- he's given the toy to give out to one kid in the audience. Spoiler alert, he gives it to Jamie. Oh, and- Jamie! And- Jamie! Get to the chopper! Get to the float. And while Arnold's giving it to Jamie, we basically get like a feeling, oh, maybe this movie's actually going to end. Like, go figure. And then uh, we see some guy <laughs> on the rooftop like beat up the bad guy. Or who's supposed to be the, the the foil to Turbo Man, and we have like a twenty minute like in a movie that's only like seventy eight minutes long. We have like a forty five minute long just like sequence where Sinbad chases the kid around with a toy. The kid like like barely survives all these like death defying moments just to save like a twenty dollar toy. Oh, yeah. um, while, while Arnold beats up like uh, bootleg Power Rangers. And and Arnold has like a jetpack and like all these stupid things happen. They're just so uh, yuckety yuck level oh my funny. God, can I say that Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie on a jetpack is one of the worst things I've ever seen? It's it's annoying because how it's, long it goes on. It's terrible, and there's like two separate scenes of it. Like there's Arnold kind of like learning. I'm doing air quotes. Learning how to do how to use his air his jetpack, and then there's the second scene where he saves the son with the jetpack, which is just as bad. It's terrible. Yeah, like I was really hoping at one point, like once 
like the, the, the first jetpack sequence is Rob described it. The learning sequence happens. I figure maybe something would happen like where it doesn't work. It would require Arnold to be a little more physical. Like he has to go up there and be like, Jamie, Sinbad. It's like, we're losing. The, like, he has like a moment where he like kind of like, I guess it's like a, like, like a South Park Kyle moment where like Arnold addresses the audience too. And it's like, guys, guys, this isn't what the holiday's about. It's not about the Turbo Man. It's about being with your family. It's be it's showing your family that they matter to you. And like, <laughs> like that. And like Sinbad's like, oh man, I could have spent the whole day with my son, but I spent the whole day searching for this dumb toy. Can we and, can we release Zach? Can we release a whole bonus episode of Cinemodities where it is just like me playing the supervillain and you impersonating Arnold telling me the meaning of Christmas. Can we do that? And I'll be like, I'll be like, I have the end of the world. And you'll be like, no, it is the meaning of Christmas. It is family. Family. I Get think, to the chopper. I think, I think everybody, everybody listening to this has that to look forward to in the next few months. <laughs> See you at the party, Victor. <laughs> so, but again, once again, another example of I could have written this movie better than the guy who's making uh, uh, millions of dollars. I think it's really nice that, you know, Rob and his drunken stupor clearly didn't think this way. But we have a nice bridge from November to, what was it, uh, commercialized or uh, bastardization of holiday movies? No, 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 no. It's, uh, it's, uh, hold on, let me scroll up. It is religiously insensitive holiday series. Religiously insensitive holiday series. And we have Chris Columbus, considering that he's the reason why Fantastic <laughs> got, got torpedoed. And he was involved with this movie. So I, Chris, literally, Christopher Columbus is the most religiously insensitive name. <laughs> So we're we're golden this series. <laughs> uh, dear. So no. So basically, the movie ends with like the kid like putting himself in like mortal danger to protect the twenty dollar toy. Arnold, like Rob says, does all these stupid stunts to save his son. And then it's like the, as the people are like, the cops are arresting Sinbad. The kid runs over to him and it's like, here you go, Sinbad. Even though there's no reason why the kid should be giving the toy up. All the, there's no reason why the kid should be giving the toy up. No reason whatsoever. Yep. Yep. Because the kid doesn't know that Sinbad has a son. The, the kid doesn't know that Sinbad's been searching for this toy with his father for all day. It's just the reason of, oh, now I have my own. Uh, Dad, you're my turbo man. Now I don't need this one. Exactly. It's like, it's like, it's a weird reason. It's like, it's like, okay, I, the kid didn't really learn anything. It's like, oh, who needs, uh, uh, like, okay, what, what's a kid? Like, who needs the the kitty Amazon Fire tablet when your parents buy you an iPad Pro instead? Exactly. It's like, it's like I, I guess that's a lesson. At least he's not like keeping both of them. Like, like it's, weird. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's not really like there's no moral here. It's just like, oh, the kid wasn't as awful as he could have been. Like, I, I guess, like, it's kind of like drowning three kittens instead of five it's like I, yeah I it, 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 it's so kind of disjointed that the kid feels the need to be i don't know righteous for no reason uh-huh. it, like yeah it makes no sense well, again, again, once again, there should have been a scene in this where like something happens when arnold's trying to rescue the kid not with the jetpack and like he catches the toy and like he saves his son, and like he like Sinbad's about to be arrested, and Arnold hands the toy to uh, 
to the kid and he's like, Jamie, I want you to know how hard I worked on getting this for you. And the kid's <laughs> like, Dad, it's like, it doesn't matter about Turbo Man. It's like, you're the, it's, or he's like, Carlson's like, I'm sorry, I can't be the hero that Turbo Man is. And the kid's is like, Dad, you were always bigger than the hero because you, because you actually made it today. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, the kid's like, Arnold, like, the kid says that Arnold looks at the toy. And so he goes, and Jamie goes, or I'm sorry, Arnold goes, so Jamie, I did spend a lot of time with this toy. What are we going to do with it? Or, or not even something like that. He's just like, like, once Jamie says, I don't need this toy anymore, he looks at Sinbad and goes, hey, buddy, here you go. Like, something like that. And it's also and like and it's also weird in this movie. Sinbad's like, oh, my boy's going to absolutely love this. And it's like, Sinbad, you're going to jail for like, yeah. like <laughs> minimum 10 years. Like, you handed yeah. a bomb to a cop that blew up. Yeah. You are most Sinbad likely going, is not to, going to see forever. Sinbad is not going to see his son for years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is so. That is such a funny part of this movie that the little kid is like, "Here, here, Dementor, I think you're a supervillain. Have this toy." And it's like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you, kid. I'm gonna go to jail for 15 years, but thank you, thank you, kid." And I think that brings me to exactly why I wanted to talk about this movie in December Stover. Is that what we're calling it? December Stover? Christ Ember. Christ Ember? December Stover, Christ Ember? Okay, something like that. Religiously insensitive holiday movie season? Yes, that's probably the best way to put it. Religiously insensitive holiday movie series. Yes. We are talking about a movie that makes no sense. Zach, I have to tell you, at the end of the day, after I've seen this movie... It doesn't work well. Nothing in this movie fits together. I don't think Sinbad and Arnold work together as leads. I don't think that the the direction makes sense. I think this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And that's why it is perfect. That is why I've chosen to talk about it this December, Stober. Yes. So I have to ask now, Rob, Cinemality and or Late Night Movie. Cinemodity. Let me start with there. No, it is not a cinemodity. This is a bad movie through and through. Even though it has Arnold, even though it has Sinbad, even though Sinbad fucking chokes a lady. <laughs> no, it is not a late night movie. S- uh, sorry, cinemodity. Late night movie? I'm going to say maybe, but a very, very particular maybe. I'm thinking there might be, you know, one out of a million chance that I'm hanging out with somebody late at night and they are the type of person that I think, hey, I could put on a bad Christmas movie for. That rarely happens, but it could happen. So here we go, Zach. I'm going to say 0% cinemodity, 2.76% late night movie. What do you think? Uh... Cinemati, 110%. That's a lot of percent more than me. Yes. Late night movie, I'd say... uh, No, but not because... Wait, what do you say? When you say no, do you mean zero, or do you mean no as comparable to zero? Well, let me let me finish. I mean, no, okay. as in like Doctor No, like that sort of no, like the name No. It's like like I'm saying No is a name. It's a proper noun. Um, anyway, though. <laughs> so anyway, though, 
So the point, the point being is that I don't think this is kind of like Clone Wars and like other kitty fair that we've talked about on here where I think it's a late night movie in the sense of like you could show this to people on like Thanksgiving Day or any day around the holidays when you have like company over. And okay. like it's one of the not rare, but one of the few cinematis that we have that you could show people like, like even though. Rob would probably show any of his cinematis to young people. Like, that's you have the family I'm, over. That's three exactly. Years. Zach has predetermined exactly what I'm about to say. Yeah. Like Rob, <laughs> Rob's like, Sicario is a cinematic. I'm going to show it to a bunch of three-year-olds. Fantastic <laughs> Planet. Fantastic Planet. It's the perfect film for after Thanksgiving dinner and post-coitus. What more mm-hmm. could you ask for? It's very uh, a functional film. Claws. Claw- oh, def- no. We're ne- never watching Claws. No. That's Claw- a family film. No, it's not. Insert the Hummer clip here. Um, okay, would this jog your memory, though? Particularly if a cop came in asking. Sure would not. How you like me now, Jeff? Not much better. What if we add a Hummer? Who is we? I got this. Watch the front counter. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but I think this is the sort of like cinematography that it works. It pretty much it only like Rob says it only works at a very particular time of year. You can only basically start showing this around like the week before Thanksgiving or maybe Thanksgiving to Christmas. It's a very uh, narrow window for a cinematography. But I think you could show this to people and like much like how I told Rob about like whether it be Phil Hartman in his fireplace or Arnold feeding the reindeer beer or all the, like, or the kid drinking the, the, the cheap off-brand whiskey. We didn't, we didn't even talk about that. Literally every Santa's elf that we see in this film is a little person, a midget, a dwarf. Yes. But at the same time, we get to see a Santa that is a little person, a midget, a dwarf. <laughs> yes. Like we see again, we get to see Vern Troyer punched in the face. <laughs> uh, yes. Got, yes. Uh, God rest his soul. But we but you have all these things though, and I think if you watch this with a bunch of like normies, you could point these things out and like you could I think you could take somebody who likes this movie. And I think we're in that realm where people like like there's got to be people our age that watched this when they were like five when it came out on like VHS. Hey. They probably have some sort of like uh, deep emotional attachment, like nostalgic. Hey. Me, that's me. <laughs> oh, really? You're one of those? Yeah. So, so I I I I I didn't think we were gonna bring this up at all, but I remember you know going down to my grandma's back in the day, and I was like you know eight nine years old, and she had this on VHS, and that's where I first watched it. Well, I think it's well. That's what I mean. But like, you could like where Rob has a cynical opinion about most things. He can kind of look through like the nostalgic veneer of it all. I think there's probably tons of like I told you, there's tons of copies of this at Best Buy today. I think you could sit there buy, and it's always cheap. It's like four bucks this time of year, and I think you could put this on after Thanksgiving dinner when you have like. 15 people huddled around the TV and you can point all these things out and people that had probably seen this movie dozens of times would be like, wait, hold on a second. And you could, this is a weird movie where you could ruin it for people who like it. I think, I think it deserves a special uh, superlative. I, I don't know if we give out superlatives in the cinematis realm, but oh. I think this is, this is a movie that has a very unique title of not a lot of movies that people have nostalgia for. You can ruin for them. 
But I think this is one that if you sit with a bunch of people who like this, you could ruin it with them by just pointing things out that they've never noticed before. Okay, okay. Well, I guess you can. You, you can. This is the first time you can weaponize cinemodies and use it as a torpedo against the style. <laughs> this is the first cinemodi that can be weaponized. Okay, well, I guess I have a um, a conundrum: whether or not on this Thanksgiving I show people this, or I play our Thanksgiving episode for them. I thought Thanksgiving was being played on the car ride to the airport. Well, that's for one person. I'm talking about for the nine other people that are actually at Thanksgiving dinner. Well, whether they want to listen or watch, it's up to you. Uh, it's up to me, indeed. It's up to me. It's not up to them. It's up to me. <laughs> there you go. Well, you have your decision. But going back to Rob's thing with nostalgia, though, and I think I've mentioned it on before and on the Total Recall episode, I was a huge Arnold fan growing up. To say he was like one of my childhood idols would be an understatement. Mm-hmm. And I never had any sort of affinity to watch this movie. I mm. never, I never want, because what my father used to do back in the day, and I think I can say this now because they're out of business, but like back, like, because we, we didn't get a DVD player until like 2002. So we, like, my father would like rent movies that I wanted from Blockbuster. He'd copy them, like, like yep. two VCRs. And like, we did that, like, the one, like, my father had most of Schwarzenegger's movies, but he didn't have, like, I guess the more recent ones, like, um, Total Recall. No, he had that one. Total like, Recall. End of Day. Total uh, Recall. I'm trying to think. Uh, other Total not- Recall is a cinemodity. Sure it is. Total Recall is a cinemodity. God damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Zach. You you brought up some some old demons from me right there. Yes, yes. So, but I never, I never had any interest in this as, as an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I never, I never, I, until this, this episode, I never watched, like, I saw parts of it, like, it's funny, the only, me- the main memory I have from this movie was from Borat, when Borat's, like, in the hotel, and he's, like, channel surfing, and he's, like, going between different channels, and he sees, like, Arnold hugging Jake Lloyd, he's like, oh, I love you, Jamie, and he's supposed to, like, like, like a face on so I like, have I have to agree with you there that I think of of Arnold's you know maybe you know um, Kindergarten Cop that was a little more of a memorable of an Arnold comedy than this one was for sure you know things like that yeah I never I was never a big fan of Arnold's comedies oh okay. the, the only Arnold comedy I really liked growing up was Kindergarten Twi- Cop Twins. I've never seen that in its entirety. I like that I said twins after Zach said Kindergarten Cop. That my my guess at Zach's favorite film came after his answer. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I was I was never too fond of Schwarzenegger's comedies. Oh, okay, I've always, okay. I've always been a, an action Schwarzenegger fan, and mostly Terminator or Terminator or more of his grounded roles. I guess ones like not like I never liked Conan. End of Days? Did you like that one? I never. I've seen parts of that. My parents would never let me watch that movie because, like, we got it from Blockbuster once, and like the first like scene of Schwarzenegger in that film was him like putting a gun to his head about to kill himself. Yeah, because he thinks he's a clone, right? No, that's that's Sixth Day. That's Sixth Day. That's not End of Days. My apologies. <laughs> no, I like no Sixth Day was my first. Well, <laughs> my first Schwarzenegger. Well, my first Schwarzenegger experience was Terminator 2 3D at Universal Studios. <laughs> which which we might be referencing in an episode coming up. For, for so it was, the, it was the last action hero on the sixth day, on the end of the six days? 
Sure. Of the six <laughs> of the sixth year. Um, uh, but no, actually, I've always been a Schwarzenegger action fan. Never been too fond of his comedies. Even though there's some hilarity in there. Absolutely. Unintentional hilarity. So, okay, Rob, now that we got out our cinematic and late night status, what snack do we eat during this? Mm, so I had a tough time thinking of this because I knew I had to think of it. But here's what I've come up with for Jingle All the Way. Here's my snack. Just a ball of cheese. <laughs> so in this movie, we get a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad are, you know, kind of fighting because they do the whole lottery system, which I think we discussed before, which are on bouncy balls. And at this in the movie, a little kid, a little girl, Arnold Schwarzenegger calls a little girl, but I think it's a little boy. It's pretty androgynous as far as I'm concerned for a little kid. Um, That's another weird ass thing in this movie. Like, like, as you're watching that scene, you have no idea the gender of that child. Yeah, how androgynous that kid is. That kid is so fucking androgynous. It's ridiculous. Rob, don't assume someone's non gender. This little kid is so fucking androgynous, but they have a fucking bouncy ball and they eat it. They like put it in their mouth. I think that we should have a ball of cheese. Oh. That, so I think it should be something that is actually edible. It shouldn't just be a bouncy ball that you eat. I think that you should have a ball made of cheese. Because in the movie, I believe the ball is yellow. And I think that, you know, I could make, or our chefs could make, a pretty good ball of, you know, mozzarella, provolone, mortadelle, maybe a little bit of meat in there, you know, mortadelle. And, you know, make it a little good ball of cheese. What, what do you think, Zach? I like that. That's, uh, that's clever. Does it have, like, a yeah. number printed on it? Uh, yes, absolutely. It's going to have a random number printed on it. So every time you order this, it's going to be a different three-digit to four-digit number. If they have the right one, do they win a Turbo Man doll? Uh, yes, but we're going to play uh, McDonald's Monopoly rules oh, where no boy, number boy, boy. printed will ever be the winning number. Okay, cool, good, good. So we will never lose out on that deal. <laughs> good, good. My snack is, and like Rob has mentioned in the last few weeks, we don't have a lot of drinks at the cinema. Yeah, we're lacking on the beverages, for real. So I got one. Phil Hartman's eggnog. Ah. And that's okay. what it's called. Phil, it's like you go to the restaurant, the waitress comes up and says, what can I get you to drink before you order? And you look at the menu, and it says, Phil Hartman's eggnog. See, see, but in the movie, when Phil Hartman, in Jingle All the Way, when Phil Hartman offers Rita Wilson eggnog, he calls it non-alcoholic. But I've always taken that to him being, I'm going to tell this woman it's non-alcoholic, but it's actually going to have fucking three pounds of tequila and six roofies in it. That That's what I figured. I figured you can order the Phil Hartman eggnog. With or without the roofies? I with think that's a... No. So the tequila is set. The roofies are up for order. Well, I figure at the very... I figure Phil Hartman probably wouldn't want to waste the tequila. So I figure it's... it's you take it either uh, uh, the virgin Phil Hartman okay. eggnog okay. or the, the roofied one. Okay. So, like, so... Like, so, like, if like, so let's say like you have a bunch of kids at Cinemonides and they're like, we call, we want eggnog! The waitress is like, okay, clearly I have to give them the virgin <laughs> Phil Hartman eggnog. What kids? What fucking group of kids is in the same we want eggnog? 
Like, honestly, I don't think I knew what eggnog was until I was 21. I, I, okay. I like for, okay, I'm not even going to delve into this. I like to, I'm fascinated by the fact that Rob is not concerned at all that the restaurant were serving roofie beverages. Yet the fact that the kid <laughs> might order a drink bothers him. Yes, yes. A kid ordering if a you're, drink. If you're an adult, if, you, if you're an adult and you want to be roofied, that's fine. That's your choice. If you're a kid and you don't know what a fucking Shirley Temple is, that's a problem. So you knew what a Shirley Temple was before eggnog. I knew what a Shirley Temple was when I was born. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> All right, Rob. Now that we said our, our snack items, how are we going to end this episode? Uh, I think that, you know, this is the start of a new series. A new, what did we say? Decebstober? Deceb, is that what we called it? Uh... Uh, religiously no, no, insensitive no. movie month. Yes, religiously insensitive holiday series. Yes. So I have a spe- I have a very specific pitch for you, Zach. That I want to know if you're intrigued by. No. Just no. That's no. What you're saying. I'm you're cutting you off no. right. Th- cutting you off immediately. Putting him off the ground. I'm gonna say it anyway because even though Zach said no, I know other people are listening. <clears throat> poor night. <laughs> yes, poor night. Uh, so what do you think if we took the entire one hour, 25 minutes and 49 seconds, that is jingle all the way, we reversed it and we sped it up to be 30 seconds for our outro. What do you think? Whatever. As long as it brings this, this mess to an end. I'm literally saying we need to, we need to reverse the entirety of the movie we've discussed for our outro. Sure, go for it. Okay, Zach is just happy that he doesn't have to talk to me anymore. Fantastic. (laughs) Bingo, folks. Bingo.